Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. You are in for such a treat because I have Marie Forleo back on the podcast. I think this is a third conversation we've had, and each year they get better and better. And if you don't know who Marie is, Marie is just a badass entrepreneur living the life that she loves and teaching other people how to do the same. She's been a very successful entrepreneur for two decades now, and she's really known for teaching other people how to build their business through her program, B-School. We talk about so much in this episode, everything from the things you got to do yourself and the things you can hire for the difference between masculine and feminine energies and how to stay balanced in your business and some nitty gritty details of what it really takes to build a business. So each year in February, Marie releases free training videos that really give you some insider information on how to build a business. You can access those free training videos if you just go to christinehassler.com slash free training. The first one came out February 7th. Another one will come out in a few days later. And the third one will come out a few days after that. I love sharing these free training videos and I love being a partner in Marie's program. I also will be announcing some very special bonuses that I will be sharing for anyone that participates in B-School through my link. So make sure you're signed up at christinehassler.com to get all my email updates about that. And again, that link to access Marie's free training is christinehassler.com slash free training. Before we dive into the interview, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite companies, which is Third Love. Third Love makes the most comfortable bras that fit so well. They have used millions of real women's measurements and they design their bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and an incredible feel. Third Love is an industry leader with 70 sizes, including its signature half cup sizes. That was a game changer for me. When I found out that I was a half cup size, I was like, oh, now a bra that fits. And I love that I can skip the trip to the store. You can take their Fit Finder quiz online and order the perfect bra for you. No awkward fitting room experiences. And Third Love offers 100% fit guarantee. Their team of experts are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. If you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are always super free and easy. And what I'm really loving is their new cotton collection. So I just got a new mattress that's all made of cotton and wool and it's all natural, (laughs) no polyester anywhere. So if I'm going to sleep on that kind of great material, I want to wear that kind of great material close to my body. Their cotton t-shirts, bras, and cotton underwear are awesome. It took them years to develop and perfect the cotton collection, which is made with premium cotton called Pima. The result is a line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable bras you'll want to wear every day. So Third Love knows there's a perfect fit for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash over it. All right, everybody. And now on to my incredible conversation with the one and only Marie Forleo. 
Lori, I just love having any kind of conversation with you. And I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. So thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we were just catching up and digging in a little bit before we started recording. And I know you are, you, you, you're not new to owning a business and being an entrepreneur. You're celebrating 10 years of B-School and were an entrepreneur before that. And you're never done in terms of learning lessons and growing. Yes. yes. And we were talking about, and then I was like, we just have to start recording because this is so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the lessons that have really been up for you lately as a business owner and entrepreneur. So can we start there? What What are you really learning lately? What's What's the freshest thing? Yeah, there's a couple things. So putting it into context, you know, um, my business, this is 2019. I started really learning about coaching and started coaching in 1999. So this will be two decades in business, the, you know, 10 years for B-School. And one of the things that is continually surprising to me, and I often call these, like, I call these like little breadcrumbs that I want to leave for myself. And so when I'm writing in my journal and I'm taking notes, whenever I kind of have one of those big ahas that has come around a few times, I'm like, I need to write this down and really remember it. So I <laughs> don't go down this path again. There's been certain times in the course of my career, in the course of running my business where I have said, you know, there's got to be someone out there who knows this way better than I do, you know, when it comes to maybe optimizing conversions or some aspect of marketing, or, you know, right now we're in the middle of kind of constructing our book. Right. And I haven't worked with a publisher in so long because I'll just admit it. I really love my team. I love how we do everything. I love that we just get to do what we want to do. And I work with really smart, talented people. And by the way, my publisher is amazing. I love them but I'm just so used to having my own crew. So the lesson is, and I've seen this a few times over the years is oftentimes in our company, like we'll get our hopes up, you know, like when someone kind of sells you on who they are or how capable their company is. And you're like, Oh my goodness, this is going to be a game changer. You know what I mean? They're gonna <laughs> oh, yeah. Money. They're going to really wow you. They're just going to take everything to the next level. And you know, for me as a human, I'm always wanting to stay open-minded. I'm always open-hearted to someone kind of swooping in and doing something that I could have never imagined. And I will tell you this, Christine, <laughs> time and time again, spending a lot of money and a lot of time, mm -hmm. I have consistently realized how crucial it is to really take ownership and always take the reins of your business. Oh, yeah. We're working with a consultancy. I think it was maybe like three years ago. And they were like, oh, you know, we have all of these great, you know, optimizations that we can do. And we're using like all of this super cool technology, you know, things that aren't necessarily our strong suits, right? Like things that we've never really played with before, or they just have these, um, different tactics that we've never explored. And I remember seeing their ideas and I was like, I don't think that's very good. You know, I was like, um, but you know what? I'm going to stay open minded. We're paying them a lot of money and we're going to test it out. And we're going to see. And can I tell you, Christine, it all mm -hmm. fell flat. And yep. I was like, well, there's like a hundred thousand dollars down the tube. Yep. Meanwhile, it, part of why we wanted to work with someone was just a bandwidth issue. We had so much on our plates that we're like, well, wouldn't it be great if, you know, other people could support us and we weren't just relying on our like tiny, but mighty team. And it's not even that tiny. I mean, we're like 30 of us now. And it was just hilarious because when we went and executed on our own ideas that we just didn't have the bandwidth to get done, which is why we hired folks to help us. We crushed yep. what all of these quote unquote experts could do. And I was like, mm, not going to do it. Then even when it comes to, um, you know, my book working on that, 
uh, folks send over some like Amazon description copy, right? Some draft copy yep. and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do for the book. And I was like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell to the no. I was like, you, I like stop all the action. I just like literally pulled the plug on everything I was working on. I was like, Nope, 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 Nope. Spent a whole day rewriting it. And, um, you know, I sent it back to the folks and they were like, Oh my God, this is so good. So I just keep getting this lesson again and again. And I've talked about this with friends, Christine, how vital it is. Like I've had really dear friends of mine when they kind of start farming out some of the strategy or some of like the copywriting and then their yep. business starts to tank. And I'm like, oh, you know why? Because you're not in it anymore. Yep. So there are certainly things and I'm not, by the way, I want to make this very clear. We, our team is hovering around 30. So we have very smart people. I am not doing everything, but there is a difference between your people who are so dedicated, who get your brand, who understand your DNA, who love your customers like they were family. When those folks execute, it's like magic. Yeah. When outside people kind of pitch you on, they're going to sweep in and like take everything to the next level always let your spiny sense go up because nine times out of 10. And for me, it's really 10 times out of 10. Never true. Yeah. I I've learned that lesson and paid for that lesson <laughs> in so many ways. So many. And the biggest, the biggest ways I can think of just off the top of my head is copywriting and social media, you know, yes. like hiring these snazzy dazzy copywriters and thank God you to have a copywriting course too, where yes. you encourage us to write our own copy. And it's, yes. it's, it's true. Like sometimes I can get an editor to kind of like put out some bones for me and, you know, yes. and I just go in and do it. But when I've hired even the best copywriter that told me like, you're going to get such big conversions, I would read it and I'd be like, this isn't, this isn't my people. This is not going to convert. Right. And right. they'd be like, no, 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 you got to say this and da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, like I could just feel it in my stomach. And I was like, okay, well, they're the expert. Right. And every single time it hasn't worked. And I go in there and rewrite the whole thing. Same with social That's media. Right. Like it's like, That's I'd right. rather have my authentic following and it's my voice than just putting a bunch of stuff out there that just isn't me. So I, the lesson for me that I'm hearing you echo is there is no like quick fix or fast track, especially when we want to be super authentic and we're super connected to our tribe. If you didn't care as much about your people or your tribe, maybe the fast track things would have worked because at the end of the day, they become systems that, that, that work, but that's not what you're here for. It's not what I'm here for. We're really here to serve. We're really here to connect. And so we have to be in the business. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, just to build on that. I've never seen fast track anything work. Mm. I think it's all bullshit. There's no shortcuts in life. Here's the other thing I wanted to say. This is a really great line. I was going back and forth with my creative director and we were looking at particular designs, you know, and something was coming through and she was like, Marie, goodness gracious, this is awful. She's like, I was so hoping for a miracle. And I told her back, I said, you know what, G? we are our own miracle. Mm -hmm. We are always our own miracle. It is always up to us to do the heavy lifting. And once you embrace that lesson, you never have to feel like anyone. That doesn't mean you don't take smart ideas. That doesn't mean you don't take input. That doesn't mean you don't learn, but just know at the end of the day, the heavy lifting, the strategy, the voice, all of that stuff, that's on you. Yeah, it is. And so Okay. So this brings up another question. Well, probably a lot of questions, but the one that I'm thinking of right now is how do you know then what to hire for and what to delegate for? Yeah. So I think that 
you want to look around in your business and go, what are the things that can be done by someone else that I don't need to do? So at the very, very early stages, for me, it was customer service. I knew that there were other loving human beings Mm -hmm. that could come in that are clear, genuine, caring writers and that could take care of people and create happiness and joy in our customer experience. That was a simple one. I am not a designer. I don't know my way around Photoshop. There's all these kinds of things I have no idea how to do. So that's delegated. Um, In terms of advertising, even when it comes down to the execution, right? I'm not going to sit there and upload our ads, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. Like there's other people who are very, very good at that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to the voice, the pricing, the actual product itself, like a lot of the heavy creative lifting, that's my genius zone. So I think for everyone listening, it's to have enough self-awareness to understand what you're uniquely good at. What are the strengths that you bring to the table that no one else can really replicate? If you focus the lion's share of your energy there and you delegate and hire out for the rest, you're going to be golden. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to get over my belief that I don't like copywriting and I'm not good at it. I really had to let that one go. Yes. Because guess what? You're a brilliant writer. You're a brilliant speaker. You're a brilliant communicator. And that's all that copywriting is. And I love that you said that, Christine, because it really is. It's a story that so many people tell themselves, oh, I'm not any good at that. I'm like, you're probably just not practiced at it. And you probably haven't had anyone show you some structure, some tools, some tricks, some techniques that will take your writing from probably pretty good because most people are much better than they think they are because they're themselves and take it to extraordinary. So I'm so happy you said that. Mm -hmm. Well, and stories are a big obstacle, the stories we tell ourselves. I think that gets in the way of most entrepreneurs than any actual logistical problem or concern because those are sometimes more figure outable than the actual stories or limiting beliefs that are in our way because they're so pervasive. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're telling ourselves a bunch of BS stories. So I'd love to unpack some of those because I know that you've worked with so many entrepreneurs and you've seen so many people basically build a business out of nothing except for their own heart and creative genius and, and didn't have like major investors to start out. And one of the biggest thing that I've seen and probably you've seen with entrepreneurs that does stop them is the stories they tell themselves. So I'd love to just unpack a couple of the common ones you see in terms of the obstacles and how we get over them. Yeah. So one of the biggest ones is I think the fear that someone doesn't have what it takes to run a business like this. Like they don't have the right degrees. They don't have the right education. They don't have the right chops. They don't have the right way to think about this so that they can actually pull it off. And I remember I felt that way when I first started my business. I was like, gosh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't have an MBA. I don't have investors. I don't have any of the things that I thought I needed in order to be successful. And quite frankly, Christine, I didn't believe in myself enough, right? I just was putting all of these other people as though they were so much more intelligent, so much um, more experienced. They had all these other assets that I didn't have. And it just wasn't true. We have so many B-schoolers, you know, just to set some context. At this point, we've seen over 44,000 
thousand people go through this program from so 139 awesome. countries, from over 564 industries, all different ages, all different backgrounds. It's incredible. And a lot of people come in feeling that way, like, gosh, I don't know if I can really pull this off, whether it's the technology or they're quote unquote, an idea or creative person. They're just not a business person. And I've watched people transform that story from, I can't to, I can. And probably one of the biggest baseline beliefs that all of us need to adopt in order to get there is, you know, my life mantra, everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable, including learning how to run a business, including understanding how to do, you know, build a mailing list or even put together a website. I think one of the coolest things about the time we're living in right now is the fact that it's easier than it ever has been before. Like when I first started in the late nineties, right? All websites needed to be like hand coded, (laughs) which is insane. And now we have these beautiful tools and platforms that are drag and drop. And yeah, you still have to get in there and play around. And yeah, if you've never done it before, it can feel a little bit intimidating at first, but so does everything that's brand new. And the more you allow yourself to just play and experiment and take it step by step, you really can figure anything out. It comes down to the desire, not your capabilities, because what we humans are capable of is absolutely extraordinary. We would blow our own minds if we tapped into just even five more percent of what we're capable of. And I think you really nailed it when you said it's the stories that we tell ourselves that really hold us back. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. What was one of the stories that you told yourself early on? that held you back a little longer than (laughs) it needed to? Oh, well, basically that people wouldn't like the real me. Mm -hmm. You know, I had this image in my mind of what a successful businesswoman looked like, sounded like, how a successful businesswoman would speak and talk. And when I started my business, I was the ripe old age of 23. So I had so much self-doubt. I was so self-conscious, you know, who the hell am I to do this? Especially as a life coach. I mean, the logical part of my brain, right? I was rolling my eyes at myself. I'm like, I haven't even lived life yet. I've done all of these different careers and I've quit all of my jobs because none of them were satisfying. I always felt like I was dying a slow death. I didn't want to be there. So I had so much insecurity built up. And so to compensate for that, I was trying to be uber professional. I was trying to match that picture I had in my head of what a professional woman would sound like. But here's the thing, Christine, I'm from New Jersey. I was raised by like just middle-class blue collar people. My mom, you know, she curses like a truck driver. (laughs) I have that in me. I also have a weird, wacky sense of humor. I make these kind of interesting little metaphors and analogies that I find entertaining and some people might find ridiculous. So when I tried to be this uber professional buttoned up life coach, everything sucked. It Mm. was like I was editing myself. None of the content flowed. It just wasn't working. And the moment I allowed myself to just be me, and again, I was terrified because I thought people wouldn't like the real me. They would judge me. They would hate me. They would criticize me. But when I just, I, I couldn't do it the other way. So I had to just try and be me everything started to flow. My newsletters flowed easier. Again, we're talking like 2000, 2001, when email newsletters were like, what the hell is that? It's a novel thing. But that was a story that I had that people wouldn't like the real me. And uh, I just kept banging my head against the wall until I couldn't take it anymore and just let the real me out. And that's when things started to flow. Mm, So I'd love to save some people some knocks against the wall from banging their head. (laughs) And, and, because I, I totally get what you're saying, and I can hear my listeners 
and I know you do this too with your listeners, like you can hear their questions. Yeah. They're going, but how, like, how did you just start all of a sudden being the real you? Like, what did you do? Yeah. The how was really just allowing myself on a very tactical level to write how I talk, Mm. right? Like, Hey guys, or like, Hey Lori, how's it going? What's happening over there? Rather than, so here's what we are going to talk about today. Right? <laughs> I can't so imagine you talking like there, that. Oh my goodness. It was awful to mm. even see me try. It was so painful. So that's just, again, on a very tactical level, that's one of the ways in which I did it. Um, and it was just allowing myself to tell stories that were true and authentic for me to make references, whether it was to TV shows, you know, these, these days I'm a huge game of Thrones fan. I also love zombies. I love Smurfs. I love like all these weird, (laughs) quirky little things and they all find their way into my business in some way. Mm. It's usually contextual. I try and make it relevant or it just try and make it entertaining. But those are the ways that I allow myself to be myself. Another way you know, if I believe in something, if I value something, if I want to talk about something on social media, that's outside the scope of quote unquote business or personal development, I'm going to take a stand for things that I believe in. So there's all of these different ways through which you can express your real self. And I think that it's just taking one step at a time. Mm. And along the way, how have you dealt with criticism, naysayers, uh, imposter syndrome, those roadblocks oh, yeah. that come up. Oh yeah. So let's deal with uh, one at a time. So <laughs> in terms of naysayers, I think probably most people, especially when I started in the world of coaching, like it was so new in the late nineties and the early two thousands, like no one had heard of it before. And people just would look at me and like, what is that? You know? And some people would say it with a sense of curiosity. They were really curious. And some people would say it with a sense of skepticism or cynicism. And I just got myself to a place of like, Hey, I'm not living my life to please other people. I'm living my life to enjoy it to express the gifts that I'm here to give. So as I continued to build the business, I just started to really understand who I was going to listen to and who I wasn't going to listen to. So what does that mean? One of the things I've noticed online is that no one who is really doing great stuff in the world, who's really creating work that I personally respect and admire ever comes after me, ever they don't criticize at all. And I ask people for feedback all the time. You know, I'm working on my book right now, as you and I were talking about, uh, before we started to record and I have some of the best writers in the world. Some of the top authors in the world have read some of my pages and you know what? They'll give me notes. None of it is harsh. That doesn't mean I'm a great writer. That means that they know how to give feedback because they're in the ring doing the same thing. They know how to offer ideas and advice and suggestions in a way that supports another human in their growth rather than tears them down. Mm. So, you know, in more current times, when I think about people that come after me, like, you know, there's this one amazing thread somewhere online about people um, having a very, very heated conversation about how much of my hair is fake. Really? <laughs> like one person. Was Sorry, about, I'm laughing, but that's oh, just so <laughs> It's, it's like, well, I'm, I'm like, are you freaking serious? Like out, out of, after like two decades of, of creating a, you know, a lot, like a pretty large body of work. It's like, you're going to talk about my fucking hair. Yeah. Like really? Mm. Anywho, it's like, oh, I, I bet about 80% of it is fake. And then when I step back, first of all, it makes me laugh. But second of all, folks who have the time on their hands to have those kind of conversations yeah 
they don't make me mad. I just feel sad for them. Mm -hmm. Like their life must be so shitty. Mm -hmm. They must have so little going on. They must feel so much despair and boredom. They don't realize how much pain, or maybe they do realize how much pain they're actually in. So I view it through a lens of feeling sad for them, not mad. And that's where I got to now. In the beginning, it was more difficult because I am, I'm a sensitive human and I didn't know how to navigate it. Now I'm just like, please, honey, you need to get yourself together. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I remember one of my coaches telling me early on when I got my, I think my, my first book came out in 2005 and I remember I got like a bad review. Mm-hmm. And I, it triggered my, I'm like overachiever, never got an A minus. Like if I got an A minus or B plus life was over, you know, I just mm-hmm. like took any, I set, set such high standards for myself. Yeah. And so I was so distraught about this. And, you know, she said to me everything you're saying. And she also said, if you want to do this, like if you have a mission, if you have a purpose, if you want to put yourself out there in any way you have to be willing to take judgment because people will project. People will judge. That's just the essence. You can pay attention to that or you can pay attention to all the people that you can help and connect with and serve. Yes. And here's the thing about judgment we should just build on. Here's what the other thing that's really good to remember. You're being judged constantly right now. Yeah. Even if you're not creating the work that you want, when you go out to the grocery store, people look at you and they judge you. They judge your hair. They judge your skin. They judge your clothes. They judge your weight. They judge your eye color, your skin color, everything. And if you don't recognize that that is the truth, you're living in a fantasy world. The human brain is a judgment machine. So it's constantly judging. That doesn't make it bad. It's just how it is. So if you want to avoid judgment, you basically better disappear. Yeah. Yeah, Go (laughs) live on a mountain by yourself. (laughs) It's not possible. Exactly. So when you realize that, then all of a sudden you can kind of loosen up about it and realize you're being judged anyway. So you might as well have a good time and do the work in the world that you really want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Imposter syndrome. Can you, can you crack that? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, studies show that up to 70% of us will experience imposter syndrome at some point in our lives. And for many of us, it happens at many points over the course of our lives. I tend to think that imposter syndrome hits women hardest. Why? As women and members of other traditionally marginalized groups, we tend to show up in places and feel like we don't belong. So for me, you know, I started off on Wall Street on the New York Stock Exchange, 99.9% men. When I was spent a little time in the magazine world, that was one environment where there was actually more women than men. But then when I got into my own business and started running in entrepreneurial circles, especially in the beginning, again, this is in the 2000s and stuff, most of the conferences I went to, the networking events, anything, it was mostly men. So for me, I had, and again, women and folks from other traditionally marginalized groups will feel just out of place, right? Because for eons, we have been the ones who were like, nope, you can't get an education. Nope. You don't have a right to own land. Nope. You can't even own your own, you know, can't get credit, can't have a bank account, all this stuff. So it's understandable why we would feel that way, but it's really important to combat the negative effects of that, because it's not just about feeling bad. It's not just about not having confidence. It's not just about speaking up. What imposter syndrome can translate to over time is smaller careers and smaller bank accounts. And I just cannot stand for that. Mm, So mm. what do we do? There are many, many different ways that you can combat imposter syndrome. We actually just did a Marie TV on this. So if you want, you can put a link to it. There are six different strategies. Yeah. I'll just talk about one of my favorite ones. Um, 
that I always like to deploy anytime that I find that wonderful little mind of mine going to a place like, oh gosh, you're not any real, you're not any good at what you do. Why are people even going to listen to you? I love to phone a friend. I love to phone a friend who really knows me, knows me to my core, someone that I trust with my heart and my soul where I can just be real right? I can let all of those thoughts just come out and play. We can look at them on the table. We can talk about them and I can have my dear friend be like, I totally hear that. And here's why all that's bullshit (laughs) to have someone else kind of help me realign and to also give me an exterior outside perspective, someone who I trust, who's not bullshitting me, who's telling me the real deal. For me, that's usually one of the fastest ways to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and to understand like, oh, here's something maybe I just need to spend a little more time on. And here's just a bunch of thoughts I just need to let go. I love that. I love that because it also just immediately drops you into intimacy and connection, which is just such a higher vibration and frequency than self-judgment or comparison or self-doubt or any of those things. So I I love that. I love that. And and I think it's hard for many of us, right? When all of us get twisted in a knot sometime. Yeah. does. And it's really hard to untwist yourself. Some people can do it. You know, sometimes I can do it through working out. Sometimes I can do it through taking a walk. Sometimes, you know what I mean? I'm able to kind of back down, like kind of back out of that bad one-way street. But most often when you connect with someone else, to your point, it really is one of the fastest ways to shift your biochemistry, (laughs) to shift Mm -hmm. your perspective, to get into that space where like, oh yeah, no, none of that's true that I'm thinking. And this person actually sees me much more clearly than I can see myself. Mm. And I love that you highlighted that it's especially hard for women because I noticed that too. And I'm, I'm working on my next book and I'm doing some research and you probably know this, but women single divorce or widowed women couldn't even open a bank account on their own until 1975. That's like not that long ago. No, it's bullshit. That's what I'm talking. This is insane. Yeah. It's insane. So we have so much, there's such kind of passed down legacy of feeling like we're not allowed to do anything or is this okay? Or not seeing many people that look like us or sound like us or do things like us. And that makes an impact over time. And so it's only been in recent generations that things are just even starting to shift. But if you think about, right, for millennia, women have been held back. So uh, we have to be extra aware and really take care of ourselves to push through it. Well, this is a perfect segue into the next thing I'm so excited to talk to you about, which is really understanding the power of the feminine. Because from my point of view, women have being more masculine has been adaptive. Like we yes. had to, like, it's, yes. it's not like, oh, we all want to be more masculine. Cause that looks like more fun. It's, it's not that at all. It's like, oh, wow, this is the way everybody operates in this paradigm. So I have to lean into this. And yeah. It's what the word, the world has valued for so long. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So it's been a survival strategy in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, however, I think it's depleting, not think I know it's depleted and, and really held women back. And now we're really in this time where women are realizing that more. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey of balancing the masculine and feminine, what you've discovered about the power of the feminine and, and how you identify you know, when you're a little too much in your masculine and the cost of that. Oh, absolutely. Well, one thing I think we have to talk about from the get-go, you may not have this, Christine, but I'm curious to hear your response to it. But I think many people, and I'll raise my hand to this, we 
culturally have been taught that the feminine is weaker. Mm-hmm. That being in your feminine means you're not as much of a boss, that you're not going to kick as much ass, that you're somehow going to be like off in a corner, like crying or skipping around or like, you know, with a flowy goddess dress on and just looking at the stars all day, that you're actually not going to get shit done. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of negative associations and specifically this one. If I'm in my feminine, I'm weak. Yep. That is probably one of the biggest myths. I know I had it for a really long time. That's why I resisted my feminine because I didn't want to be weak. None of us want to be weak, but it's such a mistaken, toxic notion that when we're in our feminine, we're weak. So that's the first kind of layer for me personally that I had to peel back and really look at and understand so that I didn't have that judgment and that prejudice against myself or other women moving forward. So that's first piece. Second piece, I think that, again, culturally, we don't really talk about these things early enough. And there's so much conditioning that happens through childhood, you know, through our interactions with our mom and our dad. And oftentimes, you know, for me, I kind of really wanted my dad's approval, even though my dad is amazing and he always gave me approval, but I was always striving to achieve because I felt like, you know, if I could bring home those A's, if I could, you know, accomplish X, Y, and Z, that I'd have something to show him and he would be proud of me. So I kind of trained myself in this model of achievement. And again, being dipped in our culture where we do tend to value the masculine more heavily. I realized that in my business, you know, getting shit done. And when I'm in that focus mode and when I am leading hard on my masculine, it's actually rewarding because it produces really great results. But what I didn't realize was if I stay there, that I get burned out. Mm -hmm. If I stay there, I get stressed. If I stay there, my body starts to break down. I lose all of my vitality. I lose my creativity. I lose my joy and my passion. So over, I would say the past, the past decade for sure, but more heavily within the past two to three years, I've been really going hard and diving deep and learning as much as I can from an experiential level, how I can be more skilled at deploying the full range of my energies. Cause my masculine is developed like a motherfucker, like yeah. that thing. I've got that on lock. I've always had that on lock, but what I haven't had on lock is my feminine. Ironically enough, Christine, it comes out most, or I wouldn't say most, but where it comes out perhaps more easily is when I'm shooting Marie TV because Mm. it's so playful for me Mm -hmm. because bring in so many elements of I'm wearing costumes and humor and, you know, like there's, it's just play, 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 play. And where I tend to lose it is when I'm in the day to day grind of building and running a business. So for me, I've worked with many, many different teachers to really try and understand, not from an intellectual level, but from an experiential level, how to stay connected to my feminine. And I realized too, it was a big aha for me. The early part of my career, I was so connected to my feminine because I was still dancing and teaching. And for me, being in my body, my physical body through physical practice was essential, right? But when I gave up teaching, uh, when I stopped you know, being a Nike athlete and teaching around the world, when I stopped doing all of the fitness conventions and and teaching dance and all of that component to it and focused solely on the business, again, the business skyrocketed, 
but you know, what didn't was my feminine power. Yeah. So in these past few years, it's been really fun and it's been a really cool and wild adventure for me to reclaim that part of myself and to strengthen it. Just like you would strengthen, like doing pushups or mm-hmm. doing, or, you know, mm-hmm. any muscle that you want to develop and have become more strong. So, um, that's just where I've been in the past few years. If you're open to sharing, what are some of the experiential things that you have done that have really helped you remember the feminine and connect more back to that? Yeah. And for me, again, it's very, very, um, because intellectually I'm like, yeah, I get it. And, but I'm like, but that doesn't work for me. I need to embody it. And I will say uh, my, I'll give a sole recommendation to this one. A dear friend of mine, her name is Sheila Kelly. She has a company called S Factor. Her work, for me, because it is through the body. And, you know, some people have heard of her. If you look her up, it'll be like, Oh, pole dancing. It's not that. I mean, yes, there's a pole, but it's like, that's kind of the least important part of it. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that's, it's just like, it's kind of a prop over on the side. Just like if you were to go to a gym and you're like, Oh, there's a dumbbell, maybe I could use it, but you don't need the dumbbell to go get a workout. It's kind of the same thing. I think Sheila is probably one of the most talented. Uh, I call her a body whisperer to be quite honest. Um, she's genius at helping people, specifically women understand both the philosophy and the practice of feminine embodiment. Yeah. I agree. I love her classes. I did that for years and it really, it was the beginning of my journey deep into the feminine. And then that led to Tantra and that led to more somatic work and that led to plant medicine and that led to all kinds of medicine, the, 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 the breadcrumbs continued. And one thing that I have found very, very helpful for me is to really allow my feminine to lead. And this goes back to what you were saying about that judgment that the feminine is weak. Yes. I really thought that my masculine had to protect me and needed to lead and needed yeah. to be the one making the choices. And for me, bringing my masculine and feminine into balance has involved like switching their positions inside of me so yes. that my feminine is leading and my masculine has my back. Yeah. And the way I do my business now, and this took, this took some time and it took, you know, uh, it, it was not seamless, but yes. making this transition is my feminine is the one that that listens deeply and connects to the tribe and feels into what's needed. She gets the insight and inspiration and my masculine responds with the doing. And so inside of me, the feminine's more the boss. She's the one calling yeah. the information in, creating, receiving. And it's also a misnomer that the feminine's just flowing and can't make decisions. The feminine is super right. decisive because we're right. incredibly discerning because we're so connected to our intuition. So once I like switched the roles a little bit and was like, oh, wow, my feminine really can lead. And, and I'm more, I'm more relaxed. My hormones are better balanced. My adrenals and thyroid isn't shot when I'm really letting this part of me lead. But it took a lot of that experiential part to experiential work to even have access to that part because it had been so shut down just by the world and conditioning. I, I worked in Hollywood. So like you started in wall street, I started in the entertainment industry where 
being a feminine woman was like prey, you know, you, you couldn't, yes. you couldn't really be that way. So that's right. That's right. I love how you articulated that too, because it's, um, and, and here's, what's so valuable, I think about this conversation is, you know, some of the impacts, like, how do you know, like, Oh, I remember thinking like, what I'm feminine. Like, you know, look at me. And it's like, ah, oh, you're presenting feminine, but exactly. really you're a fucking hard ass. Like yeah. it may look all lipsticked up and you got, you know, your nice full hair, but I was a ball buster and yeah. a half. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to relationships and intimacy, that does not work. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that does not work. So if you're a woman who's listening to this and wondering like, hey, you know, where'd my sex drive go? Yeah. Like, why am I not feeling it anymore like I used to? Or just you feel this deadness, this yep. stuckness, like all of the juice of your life is just gone. And you have this mistaken notion that it's because you're getting older. It's bullshit. It is. It's because you are living in your masculine and it's not your fault. But once you recognize it, then you have a chance to reclaim yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that. I, it's, it's so true. And another indicator for me is when I get super judgy. Like when I'm just like judging everything and I have no patience and everybody is just wrong and stupid. And like, if they did it my way, life would be so much better. I love it. Oh my goodness. I like my best friend on the planet. We sometimes will like, just let it all rip. And we're like, oh my God, we're being such assholes right now. It's really, but now it becomes really humorous because to be able to witness it and not take it so seriously and then have another option. It's like, oh boy. Okay, great. Now we can get back to sanity. Yeah. And I'm even finding in, in negotiations in my relationship with my partner, like that, that old ball buster negotiator way that sometimes was effective, but didn't make me feel closer to people in any way, shape or form. It's sort of outdated. And now that more and more (laughs) women, it's very like 2008. And And now that more and more women are really like you are, are, modeling this and stepping into this, it's like, wow, like we can go into a negotiation or a business meeting, not making the assumption that the person is out to get us, not making the assumption that we're prey and that we have to fight, but that we can actually connect and we can be curious and we can be communicative and we can be honest and and vulnerable, not in victim-y vulnerable, but just really stating what is real, real, authentic. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And without, and we don't have to worry necessarily about getting taken advantage of, right? You can have really strong boundaries. You can be absolutely clear about your kind of like, Hey, this is my line in the sand, or this is where it's not going to work for me, but it doesn't have to come with that harshness or edge. It doesn't have to come with the disconnection. It doesn't have to come, uh, with this huge cost in terms of, you know, the kind of personal equity or burning bridges or Mm -hmm. losing relationships that doesn't have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. This is, this is why I teach the experience, experiential workshops I do, because this has been such a game changer for me. And it's, it's not something we can shift in our head. It has to happen through our bodies and through our emotions and through our intuition. So thank you for speaking about this. Thank you for being such as an incredibly inspiring woman who is talking about the importance of trusting and remembering and connecting to the power of the feminine. Mm. Yeah. Such, such good stuff. Um, okay. So I could talk to you forever, but I won't. So I'll start wrapping it up with one of the things that I am so excited about this year, as I am every year 
which is something we've mentioned, B-School, which I'm a proud partner of, a graduate of, something that has been so impactful on my life and business. For those listeners who don't know what B-School is, Marie, could you take them on just a a little tour, give them a little sneak peek of what B-School is? Absolutely. So the B in B-School stands for business. And essentially over 10 years ago, I was just really looking around and I didn't see that there was a place that one could go if you had an idea, a product or service, something that you really believed in and you wanted to do your own thing, but you weren't necessarily interested in going to get an MBA, nor were you interested in going out to pitch VC investors. You just wanted to build this thing yourself and embed your values and your heart and your personality. But it was designed for people who don't necessarily have a business degree, don't necessarily know how to use these online tools, how to sell and market in a way that aligns with who they really are. So not only can the business survive, but that they as a creative can feel like what they're creating is the best expression of themselves and that they're actually making a difference beyond just making money. So I created this course called B-School. It's an eight week online experience, but once people join it, as Christine was saying, um, you can come back and take it year after year for free. You always have access to all the content. Um, and it basically teaches people how to start and grow a meaningful, profitable business in today's modern world. You know, what's the first thing you need to focus on? What's the second thing? How do you use technology in order to really inspire people to say yes to your product or service and to have that experience be one that they love and that feels good to both you and to them? How do you think through the numbers? You know, how do you prioritize? How do you build an audience? How do you create raving fan experiences? All of these things are what we talk about and what we work through in B-School and we do it in community. You know, I know we mentioned this uh, earlier in the show, but right Right now, we have over 44,000 graduates, so we have an enormous global community of like-minded souls who are coming from a wide and diverse uh, background from industries, everything from flower farms to app companies to coaching to teaching to you name it, over 564 industries. And when you get those people together and everyone is working towards the same type of goals, meaning they're building their businesses on their own, they're doing it in a unique way, we're all sharing ideas. It's incredible. Not only how much more fun it is rather than being by yourself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but how much insight and the resources and the growth that can happen when you do it in community. Mm. One of the many things I love is that everyone's rooting for each other. And one thing that I've seen so much in B-School, because it's primarily women, it's not exclusive to women, but there are a lot of women coming together and we are out vibing that old belief that like we have to compete with each other. And it's, yeah. it's just a, such a supportive community. And you, Marie, I know you constantly update it. You constantly add to it. You're yes. bringing your, so the way everybody, the way Marie's talking now is how she teaches. So it's not like this dry, overwhelming, like going through all these steps. It's super relatable. It's super digestible. And I really think it's for anybody, no matter what stage of business they're in, whether they're just starting out and they feel like they know nothing or they've had a business for a while and they want to take it to the next level. That's right. Yeah. And we've had, we've had thousands and thousands of graduates in all of those different stages and people show up where they're at. 
The thing that is cool about B-School, and I designed this intentionally, is we focus on the timeless principles that don't change. So, you know, the Instagrams of the world, they come and go. They're always changing their features. There's going to be a new social platform, I'm sure, within the next year or two. No matter what happens with technology or what happens with you as a business person, because all of us go through evolutions. I mean, Christine, you're probably not teaching the same kind of things that you taught. Your your business doesn't look the same five years ago or six years ago or eight years ago, but you can always come back to these timeless principles whenever you want to launch a new product or when you want to evolve or change your business. That's what I love about it because, you know, technology is going to change. You're going to change, but you know, what's not is human psychology Mm. is understanding how to create raving fan experiences, understanding what you need to say in your messaging to really connect with someone else and inspire them to act in a way that's going to feel good for them and for you. That's why we stay focused on those timeless principles so that wherever you find yourself in life or in the world, you have the tools that will allow you to thrive. Mm-hmm. And they really do. And B-School is yours forever. Like you said, yes. you can come back and do it again and again. So that overwhelm factor doesn't need to be there. You can do it at your own pacing. Uh, I know I look through it every year and there are certain things I do over every year, like really identifying my ideal client avatar, because like you yes. said, it changes, it evolves as, as yes. we grow. So does our business. And I love that B-School does that. It doesn't leave the the person out of the business. That you, right. you, yeah, you really combine the like your what you want to give to the world with teaching people how to build a business, and you know, for the people that are thinking right now, well, I don't know, maybe now is not the year. Maybe I'll just wait until I'm a little more clear about what I want to do. What oh, would you say to honey, them? <laughs> I would say, oh, please no, please, please no. I have had countless people come to me when they've waited on B-School, right? They've seen it come around. They're like, oh, this isn't my time. This isn't the right year. And then at one point they do it and they're like, oh my goodness, Marie, I wasted so much time. I wasted so much energy kind of fumbling around in the dark when everything was right here yep. or some people, and this one breaks my heart, right? Because I am just frugal and I want to, I want people to make money, right? Not waste money. I've done enough of that in my life. I'm trying to save people yeah. <laughs> from some of that pain. And I've had folks come through like, Oh, I, I didn't think I was ready. And I went out and built this really expensive website. And now I come into B school and realize I did it all wrong because yeah. I didn't have the strategy. I didn't understand what I was doing. So if you're someone who not only resonates with what Christine and I are talking about, but you you want to start or grow your business and you take a look at everything we offer. I know Christine will talk about this, but we have tons of free training, tons of free business training that's available. So you can kind of go to the preschool for B-school. You can taste all of it for free. Yep. You can take tons of notes. And if you resonate with it, you can come into the program and just trust that it's going to blow your mind because you've already experienced it. But in terms of that messaging and don't wait because the next 365 days is going to go by no matter what. And you're either going to be closer to that dream that you have in your heart. You're either going to be on the path and doing it, or you're going to be farther away. It's one or the other. And so if you know in your heart that this is something that you want to experience in terms of massive growth and your creativity and putting these systems in place that just help you flourish, just come do it now. And then the other thing I'd say is it's only open once a year. Yeah. <laughs> so now is the time. Now is the time. And it will save you and make you money. Like I, I, I say this to people who are always who are on the fence every year for B-School. I'm like, if you think you're saving money by not doing B-School, you're really losing it because the things that you learn 
will save you from paying the wrong people. It will teach you how to put, how to just be smart about your business so you can get your message out, you can get your product out and you can actually start making the money that will give you the freedom and the life that you really are yearning for. So I'm, I'm obviously such a fan and a proud grad. And thank you so much, Marie, for doing this every year for all of us. Oh, I, I enjoy it. I absolutely love it because there's nothing more satisfying for me specifically. And I know you mentioned this, you know, the, the content is certainly not gender specific at all, but we do have about 98% of our students are female and many of our students come through and they come through when something is really challenging in their life. You know, I was talking about a story today of a young woman who didn't go to college She was a stay-at-home mom, very happily raising her two kids. She was selling Christmas ornaments like around Christmas time on Etsy and eBay. And it was kind of like a little bit of a side hobby to help bring more money in for her family. And then tragedy struck and she became a widow. Mm. And all of a sudden she, her whole life was turned upside down. And she thought to herself, like, could I take this hobby of selling Christmas ornaments and could it actually be a business? And she had to find a way to take care of herself and support her kids. She signed up for B-School and she was even skeptical. She's like, you know, Marie say the world needs that special gift that only you have. I don't know if people really need like folded cloth Christmas ornaments. Do they really need that? (laughs) But she went through the program and she started her real business. She took it from like selling these little ornaments to all of a sudden having these patterned eBooks that were taking off. Wow. Had an idea, Christine, listen to this. Talk about the feminine. She got an intuitive hit about having an ornament of the month club. Even in her mind, she's like, is somebody really going to want a Christmas ornament every single month? But something in her told her to at least test it. She went from having a Christmas ornament hobby to now having a sever seven figure business around Christmas ornaments. Wow. I love it. She bought her dream house, which was an old lake house. It's big enough so that she can work from home. She has a team of 10 and she can be with her kids. Mm. So when you said, thank you for doing this, it's stories like hers where women go from feeling like they don't have options to creating financial freedom for themselves and their kids and their community. That's why I get so passionate about this because we have so many gifts inside of us. We have so much potential and, you know, obviously B school isn't the be all end all, but for someone who is interested in starting or growing a business in a way that aligns with their heart, I truly believe in my bones. There's no better place for them to be. I I do too. That I 1000% do. And as you say, Marie, everything is figure outable and, and why figure out stuff that someone else has already figured out? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't, we don't help each other. We we, need to help each other. Absolutely. It's like, Hey, don't waste all that time. Don't waste all that money. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Be helped. And Marie has had over two decades of business experience and she's figured a lot out with, with my support as well. I'm coming up on my second decade. So we we have a lot of, we have a lot to share with you and we want to help you. So no more excuses, join us, join us, join us. And thank you so much, Marie, for joining me today and for all the work that you do and just for being you. You're, you're, you're just amazeballs. 
Thank you. It was a joy to be with you. And thank you everyone for listening.